If you have any questions, head to our welcome home table. That's what's happening at City Hope. Enjoy the rest of the service. We believe in faith. We believe in family. We, we believe, believe in, in this, this country. country. This month, we celebrate our Hispanic heritage. Founded by President Reagan in 1988 to honor those that came to this great place with hope in their hearts and ready hands. They came to partner with the beliefs, values, and dreams this country holds. We hail from Guatemala to Cuba. Puerto Rico to Colombia. Honduras to Mexico. And all the places in between. We are rich communities with hope, faith, and love. And today, we contribute to the America way in every area, industry, and profession. We brought with us our complex and rich culture, all of our vibrant food, tenacity, work ethic, and unwavering love for family. In coming to this nation, the cost was well worth the sacrifice. A seed was sown for the opportunity that our generation holds today. Though we are diverse in appearance, accents and origin together we advance as one body, undivided, towards the creation of a new heritage. One that fully reflects and embodies the kingdom of God. Somos Hispanos. Somos familia. Somos Hispanos. Somos familia. Somos Hispanos. Somos familia. Hey, everybody, who's glad to be at church? Are you glad to be in God's house? Come on, can we just give Jesus the best praise? He's worthy of all the praise. I'm so thankful that you're here, and a big hello to everybody who's online with us as well, uh, wherever you're watching from. We're grateful that you're part of our church family. We're one family all across, all across America. Really, there are people who watch every week from California. They send their tithes to City Hope Church. Come on, so much. Uh, just so, so incredible. But check this out. We have airmen and we have people who come to Shepherd who train every single month. And, and one minute man in our last service who's about to be deployed serves in the Navy. He, Navy, he's getting some training here at Shepherd, but he's about to be deployed for the next 18 months. And, and he's going to be watching City Hope online. Come on, let's just welcome everybody on the other side of the camera today. We're grateful for you. We're thankful for you. And I want to just tag off of that, uh, that Hispanic Heritage video. I, you know, from the beginning, City Hope, we've always wanted to be a church that was culturally diverse, right? And I appreciate diversity because we have it in our own family. Uh, as, as my wife comes from a Hispanic, a Latino heritage, her father being from Cuba and family from Venezuela. And, and, and so I just appreciate the culture and the ethnicity of our church. And I want it to keep getting better because that's what heaven, heaven's going to be like. Amen, everybody. So come on, let's just give it up for all the culture and diversity, ethnicity. We love you. So grateful for, for that. It's, it's, heaven's going to be like that, everybody. So we might as well get used to it right now, heaven on earth. Amen. Amen. Well, we're in week three of a series we're calling Counterculture, and what we're doing in this series is we're trying to learn and study how, how do we live in a, in a culture that is counter to 
the way of God, the way maybe of Christianity? How do we live in a culture that maybe doesn't believe the way we believe or act in the way that we might believe or maybe even have some of the same values? And so what, what we see a lot in culture is that it's a confrontation or it's, a, it's trying to force a compromise that you do this or else, kind of an ultimatum. And, and our response to that has to be one of truth and grace, all right? It's, it's not either or. It's both. It's truth and grace. And I'm going to talk about that in just a moment. But I, I, want, to, I want to just say the last thing I want to do is, is to, to be the kind of preacher that I'm, I'm kind of actually uh, saying we don't want to be. I don't want to be the kind of church that we're, we're saying that, that there are some churches that are all about truth and glory to God, you better do this or you, you're going to burn in hell, right? We don't, we don't want to do that, right? And so, but we also don't want to be soft, but you can do whatever you want to do and still go to heaven. You can, like, no, no, the Bible does talk about sin. And so we need to talk about it if the Bible talks about it. Come on, somebody, right? So we're just going to talk about it. So we're not going to be soft, but we're also not going to be all, all truth, right? And, and we're going to have both of those because that's the way Jesus lived. And so if you're here today, maybe, maybe you don't even believe in Jesus. Maybe you're here and you're not a follower of Christ. And, and you, maybe you're coming because... You're kind of getting your arm twisted a little bit. Or maybe you're curious about, about God. I want to just take a moment and say you're in the right place at the right time. You're here on purpose. And even if you don't believe what we believe, even if you're not there yet, I want to encourage you to keep coming back. And I know that in a series like this, you may feel like, man, he's just singling me out. And I'm trying to teach, I'm trying to teach the people of God our response to a culture that's very different from us. But at the same time, even if you don't believe like we do, even if you would say, man, I'm far from God, I want this to, to help you too. And so I want to I be your pastor. We want to be your church. And we want to be there for you. If you're going through a difficult moment, if you're going through something that's a, a struggle and, and, and you don't know where to go, what to do, how to turn, maybe you're dealing with something with your kids. And listen, I'm just trying to say we want to be there for you. Amen, church? That's what the church is. We're, we're, we're here. We're a hospital for the hurting. Amen? So... So yeah, we don't want to be the church that's all just truth and, 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 and we talk about God like he's angry and mad and upset and that he's judgmental, that he's a cosmic killjoy and he doesn't want you to have any fun. That's, that's not God. But at the same time, we're not going to be a church that's just soft and, and well, we don't want to offend nobody, so we'll just, we just won't say what the Bible says. We're not going to do that either, all right? So we're going to have truth and grace. In fact, that was week one of our series. If you missed it, go back. You've got to see it. You've got to watch it because it's foundational to this, truth and grace. Last week, we talked about how culture is changing and that you know culture is changing when you see these signs. And we talked about that last week. You can, you can go watch that. Next week, we're going to talk about how Babylon is not necessarily a locality it's a mentality see God got the people out of Egypt but they still had Egypt in them and I think sometimes we may not be in Babylon but we still got Babylon in us and so we've got to, we're going to talk about that Babylon mentality and how we how we defeat that and then today we're going to talk about how to stand firm in a bow down world how do you how to live a stand-up life in a bow down world and, um, and what you need to know is that the enemy, the Bible says that there is an enemy of your soul, the devil, and he's roaring around like a lion seeking whom he may devour, right? 
And what he's wanting to do is he's wanting to get you to compromise on some things. He's wanting to get you to throw in the towel on some things. In fact, he, for young ladies in the room, it might, be, it might be that pressure to go a little bit too far on the date. right? And it's something you don't want to do. You've told yourself, I'm not going there. But you feel the pressure to compromise. Maybe for the guys in the room, it's that locker room talk. Right? It's the joking. It's the... It's the stuff that, you know, man, it, it, it grieves your spirit, but you don't know what to do about it. It's a compromise. Or maybe it's, maybe it, for somebody, it's what you're scrolling on your phone. Or maybe it's that gossip after the morning workout. Come on, somebody. Did you see her? I cannot believe it. Right? Well, I don't know. I don't know what it is for you. That's between you and the Holy Spirit. He'll speak to you about it. But here's the thing. It, it really doesn't matter what I think about this. What does the Bible say about it? That's what really matters. It doesn't matter what I believe or what I think or what I, oh, I'm preaching to you today. What does the Bible say about that? I, and I'm, I'm basing everything I, I teach to you on the Bible. But if you want to know my opinion, I'm going to say my opinion doesn't matter. It's what does the Bible say? What does the Word of God say? What does the, what, what is His book say about this? And so the question then is, what does the Bible say about standing firm? Not what do I think about standing firm. What does the Bible say? And the Bible says that we ought to be on our guard as believers. If you're a believer, be on your guard. If, if, if you're not a follower of Christ, you can apply this to your life too. To stand firm. That's, that's our response. Stand firm in the faith. We need to be courageous. But here's the thing. If you're not a follower of Christ, it's going to be hard to stand firm in the faith or be courageous or be strong in certain ways because, because you don't believe it. Right? And so... So for us who are believers, we've got to stand firm and we've got to do everything in love. And this is what I want us to get today. I want you to see that this is truth and grace. This is stand firm and love well. Do you see that? Stand firm, do everything in love. Do everything that you do, do it in love. And so we're going to get into this message today. We're going to study the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and we're going to study the, the fiery furnace, all right? And uh, I've got a ton of notes for you. It's in, there's a, a whole booklet in your worship guide today. There's so many notes, I had to make four pages of them. And so you can pull those out, follow along in your notes, follow along on the screen as well, some fill in the blanks. And let's talk about, let's talk about standing firm. Are you ready for this? Yes. All right, here we go. Here we go. If you're if you're ready, let's follow along. Daniel chapter 3, verse 1, it says, King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold. And, and this is, I'm just pausing here to let you know that this word image shows up over and over again through chapter 3. And we're going we're gonna to talk about what that means for us today. But he made an image of gold 60 cubits high and 6 cubits wide. And he set it up on the plain of Jura in the province of Babylon. So this, this statue that he made was 90 feet tall. And it was nine feet wide. It's massive, right? And, and then he summoned all of the officials. I'm, for, just for time purposes, I'm not going to read all of these titles because it, it just is a mouthful. So I'm just going to say officials. He has summoned all the officials to come to the dedication of this image that he had set up. And so the officials assembled for the dedication of the image that, that he had set up. And they stood before it. They're just gawking at this thing. Oh, my goodness. Wow. That's so incredible. It's beautiful. Wow. It's gold. 90 feet tall. It's amazing. And so then 
a herald loudly proclaimed. Now, his name wasn't Harold. That's just what his title, right? His name wasn't Harold. Hey, Harold, call everybody in. He, he's the guy. Da -da 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 -da. Hear ye, hear ye. Nations, peoples of every language. This is what you're commanded to do. Sounds familiar. Sounds like the culture that we're living in today. This is, this is the law that you're going to live by. Hey, this is the new workplace culture value. This is how you're going to respond. Th this is the new handbook that we're giving out today that, that you're going to apply, you're going to live by, and if you don't, there might be some trouble. There, there, this is the new law. What you're commanded to do is that as soon as you hear the sound of the horn and the music, you must fall and worship the image. Now, we, we know from a few weeks ago that to worship something means to put value on it, that we... Uh, worship is our response to what we value the most. And so he says, when you hear the sound, when you see, when you hear the music, you're going to place the value of your life on this image that we've set up. You're going to put your worth in this image. Now, here's the thing. I believe one of the primary ways that we compromise in today's culture is through sights and sounds. It's through the image of what we see and through what we hear. It's, it's the movies that we watch. It's the, it's the things that we scroll, the websites we visit. It's the things that we listen to with our ears. Come on, somebody. Are you, you get, you're, sounding, you're sounding all holier than thou, Pastor Ben. No, no, I'm just trying to say that this is one of the primary ways we compromise. It, it seems so harmless at first, but... But we, we begin to worship the image. We begin to worship the sound, right? And so here's what happens. What we see, what we feel, what we touch, what we hear, it can lead us to a dangerous place where we begin to drift away from God and we don't even realize it. And that's why that old children's rhyme, be careful little eyes what you see, is so important. Be careful little ears what you hear because what you see and what you hear is unforgettable. You can't unsee it, you can't unhear it, and then it sets a hook in your heart and you want more of it. Be careful what you see, what you hear. And this is just a side note for somebody in the room today. But he goes on and he says, you've, when you hear the music, fall and worship, put your value, place your worth, the value of your life on this, on this image. But if you don't do it, whoever does not fall down and worship will immediately be canceled. Hashtag cancel culture, right? Well, I'm not listening to him anymore. Well, I'm not going to go to that church anymore. Well, I'm not going to support that anymore. Well, he... So you're going to be thrown into the fire. I'm using some pop culture language because this is the same thing that happened in Daniel's day. You do what we command you to do. You live how we tell you to live or else we cancel you. And so therefore, as soon as they heard the sound of the music, all the nations, all the peoples of every language, they didn't want to be canceled. I, I don't want people to feel like I don't, I, I, don't want, I don't want people to look at me differently. And so they placed their value on the image. They, they bowed before the image. They worshiped the image of gold that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And at this time, some astrologers came forward and they denounced the Jews. They said to King Nebuchadnezzar, 
may the, may the king live forever. They're, they're trying to get in good grace with him. Oh, king, man, this is incredible. Look at all of these people bowing down to your image. Isn't it awesome to see how many of them are worshiping you? Right? Isn't this great? And, and they said, your majesty, you, you issued a decree that everyone who hears the sound of the horn, the zither, all this music, that, that they're supposed to fall down and worship the image of gold. And he's like, yeah, yeah, that's what I said. That's the law. Well, uh, you, you also said that whoever does not fall down and worship will, will be canceled. We'll, we'll throw them into a blazing furnace. And he says, yeah, yeah, that's, that's true too. Well, there's some Jews whom you, you, there's some people who you trusted. There's some people who you, you favored. And you've set them over the affairs of the province of Babylon. And, and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego they're not paying attention to your command. They're not listening to what you tell them to do. They're not, they're not running your play, your majesty. They neither serve your gods nor worship the image. They're not, they're not placing the value of their life. They're, they're not really, really valuing what you value, king. And so here's the thing. I, I want to pause here and tell you that when you take a stand for something, when you stand up for maybe something that's right, something that you believe in, you will be called out. Just know that. Like, if you're a student in the room today, and you, man, you feel this burden in your heart to just be a, a, a believer, be a leader in your class, to be a leader on the college campus. There's going to be some people who follow you, but there's going to be some people who call you out on that too. And you just need to know that. And so, he's furious with rage. All right, remember last week, King Nebuchadnezzar, when he, when he interviewed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and Daniel, he favored them. He found that they were 10 times more, like 10 times smarter, 10 times wiser than all of the other people in, his king's, in the king's service. So last week, he favored them. This week, he's furious with them. Last week, he favors them. This week, it's the furnace, Right? And so these men were brought before the king, and Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true? Guys, man, you, I, I, th I thought you were on my side. Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve the, go the gods, my gods, or worship, or place the value of your life upon this image of gold that I've set up? So here's, what, here's what's going to happen, guys. I'm going to give you another chance. All right? This, this is your 90-day this your day. 90-day extension here, 90-day plan, all right? When you hear the sound of the horn, when you hear the sound of the music, if you are ready to fall down and place the value of your life and do what we tell you to do and run this play, that's, it's going to be great for you, man. People are really going to get behind you, and it's going to be good for you if you'll do this. But if you don't, we cancel you. If you don't, we're moving you out of this department. If you don't, you'll no longer have this position. If you don't, you'll no longer be the captain. If you don't worship, you'll be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace. And then, like, who's going to rescue you? Like, who, who's going who's gonna to pull you out of the furnace? If you don't obey, if, if you don't fall down, if you don't worship my God, who's going to rescue you from my hand? And you can notice that he's getting a little bit of ego, ego here, isn't he? He's getting a little bit of ego and so I've got, I've got a couple thoughts for you today. He gives them this ultimatum. And he, 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 give, he says, 
He says, your, your choice is this. You can choose to stand firm and die or cave to the culture and lose your witness. What are you going to do? So I want to give you three thoughts today about how to stand firm. Okay, how, like three things you need to know about standing firm. And if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. Is this helping anybody? I'm, I'm not even, like I'm just, I've just read scripture so far. I think if we just read the Bible, it'd probably help us, right? Just, we just read it. But I got some thoughts here for you today. Okay, three things about standing firm is standing firm takes peace. Another way you could write it maybe is it requires peace. Because here's the thing, standing firm does not produce peace. Standing firm requires peace. Like when you, when you stand firm, inevitably, you're going to go through some difficult moments. If you stand firm, you're going to be called out on some stuff. If you stand firm, you're going to walk through some fire. You're going to go through some difficult times if you stand firm. And so it doesn't produce the peace. You kind of need the peace. Amen, everybody? You're going to need that peace to know that I'm doing what I'm called to do. I've got peace. Well, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they replied to the king and said, Oh, king, we are not worried about what's going to happen to us. King, we hear you, but we're not really concerned. We're not worried. What's the opposite of worry? Peace. Oh, king, we're at peace. Like, if, like it's okay. The, and, and this is the attitude that Paul had. Paul the Apostle said that to be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord. Oh, you're going to cut my head off if I don't agree with you? Would you cut my head off? Just, just go ahead and cut it right now. Just would, it would be awesome. That was his attitude. I've, I've, I've walked through all this stuff. You can take my life. It's okay. And this is their attitude that we're not worried about what's going to happen to us, King. Well, where do they get this kind of peace from? In Tennessee, we, we use the word reckon a lot. Where do you reckon they get that peace? They get it from the Lord because he's the Lord of peace. May the Lord of peace himself give you peace when? At all times. When? In every way. He's going to be with you in that moment. And so what, what you, we need to know is that these three Hebrew boys, they had settled in their hearts that whatever happens, happens, but we're not going to back down. They, had, they, they were at peace knowing that it could be the end for them. And so, so here's the thing. You can have peace if you're partying in the palace. You can have peace if you're being thrown in the blazing furnace. Because peace does not depend on things being perfect. Peace is not about things going your way in this life. Peace is it's not about that. You can, be, you can have your worst day and be walking through peace. Come on, somebody. And so that peace comes from God. That's the first thing. Is that you, it takes peace, it requires peace. But here's number two. If you're going to stand firm, you need to know that standing firm takes faith. It takes faith. It takes faith. So we keep reading the story. It says if we're thrown into the flaming furnace, these three Hebrew boys, they've got this peace. If we're thrown into the flaming furnace, our God's able to deliver us. That's faith. He's able to and not only is he able, but he will deliver us out of your hand, your majesty. So that's faith. He can, he will, and they keep going. And it says that even if he doesn't, what's that? That's peace. Amen. Even if he doesn't rescue me, 
I'm still going to serve my God. Even if I do lose my job, I'm, I'm not going to back down. Even if things don't go my way, I'm going to stand firm in my faith. If it doesn't, even if he doesn't, we will never under any circumstances. And I love that he said, sir. All right, so I, I don't want you to get this idea that we just got to bow up on some people. We tell them like it is. Y'all going to hell for living like that. No, 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 no. Please, sir, listen. Even if our God doesn't save us. Hey, I, 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 know that this is the, I know that this is the value of the company, but even if I have to lose my job, I, I, I can't bow down. Even, even if I lose my starting position on the team, I can't. I can't bow. Are you following me? Is it too much? Okay. I'm just trying to hit us where we are in our culture today. Sir, it's respect, it's honor, it's integrity. We, but, but listen, we'll never bow down. We will never under any circumstances cave or compromise to the culture. We won't serve your gods or worship. We're not going to place the value of our lives on the statue that you have erected. Not, we're just not going to do that. It's a value that we have. And they embrace the fact that they would have to suffer. Now, we live in a society that, in, in our culture, we don't really talk about suffering a whole lot with the gospel. Um, most, most places the gospel has ever been preached, it's also a gospel of suffering. Because you, you're persecuted for believing in the gospel. And we're just now beginning to see some of that in, in America, but most confident, most continents, most, most places that have, that have lived out the gospel, that have preached the gospel, there, there were people being burned at the stake. There were people losing their lives because they believed in this. And so they came to grips with the fact that we, we're going to have to endure some suffering if we take this stand. And so it goes on, though, in verse 16 and says that, or verse 19, that then Nebuchadnezzar was, he's furious. Okay, you're not going to play my game. You're not going to do what we ask you to do. And so his attitude toward, toward them changed. Last week, they're favored. This week, they're going to the furnace. I'm done with you. I'm not playing this game anymore. And his attitude changed. And he ordered the furnace heated seven times hotter than usual. Hey, in case you don't know, when you are furious, when you're angry, you do things that don't make sense. When you're angry, you, you'll heat the furnace seven times hotter. When the furnace was strong enough to kill them in the first place, you'll, you'll heat it even hotter. You'll do crazy things when you're mad. And, and, and he commanded some of the strongest soldiers in his army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. So these men wearing robes, trousers, turbans, and other clothes were bound and thrown into the blazing furnace. And the king's command was so urgent. He was so mad. He's so furious. And the furnace is so hot that the flames of the fire killed the soldiers who took Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to throw them in. When you're mad, when you're furious, not only do you do crazy things, but you hurt people close to you. That's just a lesson you can learn. When, 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 you're, when, when you can't control your anger and your rage, you hurt the people closest to you. That's exactly what he does. So, so these three men, firmly tied, fell into the blazing furnace. But that's not the end of the story. 
we kind of stop there and it's like, man, that's rough, bro. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they throw in the fire, man. That's crazy. That's crazy. But that's not the end. Like if, if that was the end, we could go home and be like, wow, well, we're all going to die. That's kind of crazy. But that's not the end of it. Here's the very next verse. says that then Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement. And he says, hey, whoa, 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 whoa. Hey, weren't there three men that we tied and threw into the fire? And they go, yeah, 100%. There's only three guys. And he says, well, I see four men. They're loose and they're walking in the midst of the fire. Now, the fire killed the, the soldiers that threw them in there. But now, all of a sudden, you got these three Hebrew boys walking around, and there's another one in the fire with them, and he looks like the Son of God. Now, I don't know what Nebuchadnezzar, I don't know, I don't know how he knew what the Son of God looked like, but here's the thing. Here's what I believe. You know why he looked like the Son of God? Because he was the Son of God. I, th I think he was. It's what theologians call a Christophany. There's a few times where in the Old Testament, Jesus appeared in the flesh. So before he was born of a virgin Mary, he was in heaven. Well, after he died, he was resurrected and he ascended to heaven, right, where he's now at. He only lived 33 years on the earth. Before and after his death, he's always been in heaven, seated at the right hand of God. But, but somehow, some way, Jesus shows up right here in the middle of the fire with these three Hebrew boys. I'm just trying to help somebody know today that when you walk through the fire, he's going to be with you. When you walk through the difficulty, he never leaves you. He never forsakes you. He's always there. Isaiah 43, Isaiah prophesied before this ever happened, Isaiah prophesied that you will walk through the fires and you will not be burned. Your clothes will not be scorched because I am with you. That's the, that's, that's the word. And so he looks like the son of God. And Nebuchadnezzar approached the opening of the blazing furnace and he shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, servants of the most high God. All of a sudden he's a Christian. Glory to God. Shad, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Come out. Like he called, what, what does he do? He recognizes that their God is greater. Yes. Most high God. Oh, not a God. Not, not one of the gods. No, no, no. Most high God. Come out. Come out. And they were like, if you say so, we'll come out. And so they, they come out of the fire. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire. The, the, the officials crowded around them. And they saw that the fire had not harmed them, prophesied by Isaiah. That their, their, nor was a hair of their heads singed. Their robes were not scorched. There was no smell of fire on them. Come on, somebody. No smell of fire on them. And that leads me to the third point in your notes. That when you're standing firm, it, it actually inspires other people. So you, you, you think, man, they're gonna, I'm, I'm going to get some... I'm going to get some hate mail on this one. I'm, I'm, if I stand firm, man, there, there's, it's going to inspire some people to stand up too. It's going to inspire some people maybe to change the way that they've been living, maybe to change the way that they've been doing some things. And so, watch what happens. Nebuchadnezzar said, praise be to the God. Now, a few weeks ago in our Closer series, we studied seven Hebrew words for praise. 
This one is the Hebrew word barak, and it means to bless or to kneel. So, so, so he's been commanding everybody else to bow to his statue, and now all of a sudden he says, we need to bow to the king of kings, to the Lord of lords. Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego who sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted in him. They didn't trust in me. They didn't place the value of their lives on me or my order. They defied the king's command and they were willing to give up their lives rather than to serve any God. Which, by the way, Jesus says that, that if you want to hold on to your life, you'll lose it. But if you'll lose your life for his sake... You'll find it. They would, they, they would rather serve. They, they were willing to give up their lives than, rather than to serve or worship any God except their own God. They stood firm. They loved well. And because of that, check this out. Nebuchadnezzar, he, he's, he, he kind of got saved, Right? He's going to act like he got saved. I don't know if he got saved. He did say the most high God, right? He, he believes at least. So he, he gets saved, but he's not quite sanctified yet. You know, it's a process of sanctification. So he gets saved. He says, I decree that, that, that the people of any nation, language, who say anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, man, we're going to cut them to pieces, and we're going we're gonna to burn their houses down and turn them to a pile of rubble. They, so he, he's still got a little anger issues, still, still dealing with some rage. But here's the thing. He says, because there's nobody else like him. There's no one else like their God. No other God can save in this way. And then it doesn't stop there. He promotes them. The king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. So, so these three Hebrew boys who stood there for their faith, they loved well. We can see that through the scripture. They weren't rude. They, 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 weren't, they weren't mean. They weren't arrogant. They loved well, but they stood firm for what they believed in. And because of that, at the end of the day, Nebuchadnezzar is going, your God's the real God. Your, your king is the real king. Hey, I want you to keep serving me. And what does he do? He gives them more influence. And I think that's part of, I think that's what God wants to do is he wants to see some people who would love well and stand firm and, and that the world would begin to give Christians more influence because they love well, not because they're hateful, not because they, 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 they have this kind of ego and attitude, not because they're scared, no, but because, man, there's just something about these Christians that they're, there's something different about them. They love people well, they, they, they stand for what they believe in, but they, they love so so, well, so he, he promotes them and he gives them authority. He gives them influence. Now, I want to give you uh, just a couple things real quick that I, I think that uh, as we stand, we need to make sure we're standing on the right things. See, um, I had this thought this week because I think sometimes we stand on things that really aren't very firm. We stand on values. Like, I mean, there's a lot of people who think that cleanliness is next to godliness is in the Bible. It's not even in the Bible. So you can't stand on that, right? Like, we, we stand on values. We stand on beliefs that really aren't firm. And so I thought 
that if we're going to stand on something, if we're going to stand firm on something, it's probably a good idea to make sure whatever you're standing on is firm. If you're going to stand firm on something, if you're going to take your ground, if you're going to take your stance and say, I will not be moved, you probably want to make sure that whatever you're standing on is the right thing. It's, it's the right thing. And so um, we stand for a lot of things in life, but some of those things, they crumble when they're tested. Some of those things don't last. And so let me give you six things that I think we can stand on. All right? Are you ready? I'm going to go rapid fire through this, okay? Six things that we can stand on. Number one is, I'm going to stand on the rock. I'm going to stand on the rock. I love that old song that says, On Christ the solid rock I stand, All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. See, I'm not, I'm not standing on what I believe. I'm not standing on what my opinion is. I'm not standing on what the news outlet says or what the influencer says. I'm standing on the rock of Jesus Christ because here's what I know. I was a messed up joker. Come on, somebody. But he lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and the mire, and he set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. I'm standing on a firm place, everybody. So if I'm going to stand... I'm standing on God. I'm standing on the rock. But if I'm going to stand, I'm going to stand in God's love. I'm going to stand in God's love. See, my love has a short fuse. People's love has a short fuse. Our love is conditional. Our, our love is, it's, it, it needs to be earned. Our, our, our love is, is not God's love. See, God's love, it never gives up. It never runs out on us. His love goes on and on and on and on and on. His love is for sure. His love is foundational. And so here's what I've decided is that I'm going to declare that his love stands firm forever. I'm going to stand on that, that he's established his faithfulness in heaven itself. I'm going to stand firm on God's way. See, my way is jacked up. My way will lead me to hell, everybody. I can't believe he's, I can't, I can't believe he's still that. With, without God in our lives, my way is going to lead me down a wrong path. Without the power of the Holy Spirit in my life, I will do things that will blow your mind. We're all capable of the, of the worst stuff ever without God in our lives. And so I'm going to stand on his ways because his ways are higher than my ways. His thoughts are higher than my thoughts. I don't think like he does. I need his ways. And so what I've decided is that his statutes stand firm. So I'm going to place myself on him. I'm going to build my life on his ways and in his foundation. I'm going to build my life. I'm going to stand firm on his word. Because his word is a lamp to my feet. It's a light to my path. I'm going to hide it in my heart so I won't sin against him. The word says in Isaiah that the earth in all of its glory will fade. But the word of God lives forever. The word of God stands forever. So I'm going to build my life on the word of God. Because his word is eternal. His word stands firm. It cannot be denied. It cannot be revoked. It is absolute in every way. I'm going to build my life in prayer. I'm going to stand firm in prayer. I'm going to stand firm in prayer. Just, just in case you're wondering. We're not in a battle with culture. This is not a us versus them. You hear me? This is not a physical battle that we're in. This is a spiritual battle. 
We're not wrestling against flesh and blood. We're, the Bible says we're wrestling against principalities, against powers, against, uh, against wickedness that is ruling in high places, the Bible says. And so I'm not wrestling against people. I'm not fighting against people. In fact, Jesus said, I would that none would perish. I don't want anybody to die. And so we need to stand firm in prayer. And so if we're going to make a difference in the physical realm, we need to win the war in the spiritual realm. And that's through prayer. That's the only way we can do that. The only way. That's why those grandmas who pray for decades for their kids and their, cran and their grandkids. That's why some of y'all are in this room today is because y'all had, had a nagging nanny who wouldn't let you go. They kept praying and praying and praying for you. Nagging nanny. Come on. I'm... I thank God for them. So, so what? Put the full armor of God on. So I, I got to dress in the right warfare I, I, I got to put the helmet of salvation, the belt of truth, the shoes of peace, the, the chest plate of righteousness, the shield of faith, the sword of the spirit. I'm going to put on the full armor of God so I can take my stand. I'm, I'm ready. I'm, I'm firmly rooted. I'm going to take my stand against the devil's schemes. Y'all know the devil is scheming. God has a plan for your life. So does the devil. He's scheming. He's got a schematic. And so what am I going to do? I'm going to put on the full armor of God again every day. I'm going to put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything, stand. Man, am I ever going to get a break? You're going to keep standing. Every day, I'm going to stand. Every day, I'm standing. And, and then, just in case you didn't get it, stand firm. Then. What next? Stand firm. Stand in your faith. Now, here's the last thing. I'm going to stand for God. Stand for God. Um, I mentioned just a few minutes ago that, um, that Jesus, except for the 33 years that he lived on earth, he's always been in heaven, right? Old Testament, New Testament. He's in heaven. There's 33 years that he lived on the earth. But the Bible says that in heaven he is seated at the right hand of God. That's, that's where he's at. In fact, in Colossians, it says, it says um, that he is seated at the right hand of God. Now, um, Jesus said that if we're ashamed of him, he would be ashamed of us. If we can't confess him in front of our friends, in front of the workplace, he can't confess us in front of the Father. Matthew chapter 10, Jesus says, stand up against the world opinion. To paraphrase, says, if you stand up for me against world opinion, I'll stand up for you before my Father in heaven. If you'll take a stand, I'll stand with you. So Jesus has always been seated at the right hand of the Father. But there is one time in Scripture, at least one time, where he gets up out of his seat and he stands up. And it's when Stephen was killed for his faith. Some of you know who Stephen is. Stephen was a, he was a disciple of Jesus. Stephen... Um, he was preaching the good news. He was standing up for what he believed in. And some of the same 
religious leaders who crucified Jesus, they couldn't take it anymore. And so they pushed Stephen outside of the city gates and they took rocks and they began to throw them at Stephen. They, they stoned you for things like that. You, he was breaking their law. And so they're in the middle of them throwing rocks to kill Stephen. The Bible says that he looked up full of the Holy Spirit, which by the way, you're going to need to be full of the Holy Spirit if you're going to stand up for God. He looks up to heaven and he sees the glory of God and it's Jesus standing, not seated, standing at the right hand of God. And then he says, look, as they're throwing rocks at him, as they're killing him, look, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Some of you maybe today, you feel like, man, I'm just, I'm alone. I'm, I'm, I'm in this by myself. I feel, like, I feel like nobody else is with me. And here's what I would want you to know today, is that when I stand for Jesus, Jesus stands with me. When you stand for Jesus, it does, there's no promise of everything going great, of everything being perfect. There's no promise of avoiding the furnace. They still got thrown into the furnace, but God was with them. Come on, somebody. When I stand for Jesus, Jesus stands for me. Amen. Come on, let's give God thanks today that he is with us. God with us. He's with us. I'd love for you to bow your head, close your eyes, and let me just ask you, I want you to ask yourself today, what's the Holy Spirit saying to me? What's he whispering to my heart right now? What's he speaking to my heart? What's he speaking to my mind? Maybe for some of you today, you are... You're struggling to stand. Maybe there's a compromise that's being, that's being forced on you. Maybe you feel like you have this ultimatum of stand up for what's right and lose something, stand up for what's right and be ridiculed or cave into the culture and be, be a person who loses their witness. Lose your faith in the meantime. I don't know where you are, but Father, I pray for every one of us that as Christians... For those who are in the room who today who are Christians, who are followers of Jesus, Lord, that we would have a boldness like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to be able to say, we're not worried. We have peace. We have faith that God can and that God will deliver us. But even if he doesn't, we're not going to compromise. Even if he doesn't, we're not going to bow. Even if he doesn't, we're not going to put the worth of our life on something. We're not going to check out of life just to keep a relationship, a job, a, a spot on the team, whatever it is, I'm going to stand firm. I'm, I'm going to love people well, but I'm going to stand firm. Father, I pray right now that you would bolster our faith today. Help us to remember that as we stand firm, it inspires other people. Lord, help us to, to stand on the solid rock, to stand on Jesus Christ, to stand on your love, to stand in, in, in the word of God, that we would stand in your ways today, that we would stand for you, Father. Give us a boldness. Fill us with the Spirit of God to be able to do that today in Jesus' name. With your head still bowed. Uh, maybe you're here today and, um, and you're in the, that season of compromise right now. You're compromising some values. You're compromising your faith. Maybe you're not even a person of faith. Maybe you're not a follower of Christ. Maybe you're far from God. Maybe you used to be close to God, but you've drifted. You, you've 
you've been so engaged in sights and sounds or whatever the world has had to offer you that you've, you've kind of wondered from God. And, and today I want to give you a, an opportunity to take a stand. I want to give you an opportunity to make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. And the way that works is by you taking a stand to publicly say, I'm giving it all. I surrender. I give my life to Jesus. Jesus took a stand for you on the cross. He went to the cross. He sacrificed himself for you and for me. And I think for us, the appropriate response is to take a stand for him today. If you're here and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, you've never committed your life to Christ, you're far from God, but you're ready You're ready today to begin a brand new relationship with Jesus. You're ready today to give him your life, to surrender your life. It starts with a stand. If you're ready for that, on the count of three, I want you to slip up your hand. One, two, three. Come on, slip up your hand and say, I'm ready to go all in, Ben. I see you. One, two, three, four. Anybody else would say this to me? I see you back here. God bless you. I see you. I see you. Every hand that's up. I'm so proud of every one of you. Every hand. God's working, God's speaking to your heart. This is the best day of your life, the greatest decision you will ever make. I'm so proud of every one of you taking a stand, saying, I believe, I surrender. I see you. Amen. All right, hands down. Let's pray this prayer together today. Say, Jesus, I give you my life. I surrender. Will you forgive me? Cleanse me. Wash me. Make me new. From this day forward, I choose to stand. I will serve you. I will live for you the best that I know how. Will you forgive me? Make me new. Be my Lord, my Savior. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Come on, church, let's give Jesus.